my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, welcome everybody. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we are talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution. I'm talking about the biggest opportunity we'll see in our lifetime. We'll see in multiple lifetimes. It is that big. Now, I like to say that, um, well, I say over and over that real investors, professional investors, the ones that actually make money and don't lose money, they're always looking for something called an asymmetric return. That means they want to have more upside than downside. And so in order to get that asymmetric return, you have to have asymmetric information. You have to know information that the majority of people don't have. That's the only way. If everybody knows it, there's no, there's no alpha there. There's no edge. You don't have an edge, all right? You have to have an edge. You have to know something that most people don't know. And so that's why you need to tune in to me each and every week. So pull out your phone, put a calendar reminder this time, this channel. Do not miss this. It will be the most profitable hour of your week. Um, also, if you have your phone in your hand, go ahead and pull out, uh, open up your Twitter or Instagram and find me. It's one Mark Moss 
on both the platforms. Send me a message. Tell me you heard me on the radio and ask me a question. I'll make sure to answer it for you next week when we go live. Now, we're talking about um, Bitcoin's price. It broke, it broke its previous all-time high that was set back in April of this year. And there's really no resistance above head at this point. I mean, we're in this kind of uh, no man's land. There's no resistance. We're in this true price discovery place at this point. And a lot of that was driven by, you know, some regulations that happened in China, but also in the United States. Um, in the United States, uh, you know, we've continued to reach this level of entrenchment that I think is just impossible. There's just no way the government would ever um, kill it at this point. Or they, they can't kill it, but they could you know, try to make it illegal. I don't think that would ever happen. And I think what uh, over the last couple of weeks, we heard the head of the SEC, Gary Gensler, and we heard the federal chair, Jerome Powell, both say that they will not make it illegal. They told us that verbatim. Um, and then we saw this week, and this is the real big news we're talking about this week, is that this Bitcoin ETF went into effect. And that was really big news. It got, got everybody excited. Now, I want to explain something about this ETF because there's, there's, there's probably a lot of miscommunication, a lot of misunderstanding going on with this ETF. And I think uh, it's very important for you to understand because it can be dangerous, all right? It can be dangerous. Now, the first thing I want you to understand is that there's two different types of ETFs. I mean, there's, there's more than that, but I want to break them down into kind of two main categories. And so you have a futures ETF and you have a spot ETF. All right, let me explain to you what those two are. So a futures ETF is basically a way to just bet, to gamble. You're basically betting on what the price of Bitcoin will be in the future. I bet, I gamble, you know, I bet you that it's going to be higher in the future, or I bet you it's going to be lower in the future. All right, that's the first way. The second way is a spot ETF, and that means you're actually buying the Bitcoin, right? You actually own it. You have a at least you have a claim to it. All right. So it's a, it's a big difference. Now, the futures came out for a couple of reasons. And of course, uh, like like everything, they kind of get distorted and changed over time. But in the beginning, you know, they were really used for commodities, which Bitcoin is classified as a commodity. So that's why they have it. Um, but commodities typically would be like um, food, right? So grain, wheat, things like that. And if I was a farmer, and I was growing wheat, and, uh, or whatever crop that may be. And let's say that I was afraid that I was going to have a bad year or that um, it was going to be a good year. There's going to be too much wheat and it's going to push the price down um, or something's going to happen to the price, right? So what I could do is I could sell a futures contract. I could get someone to agree to buy my wheat or corn or whatever it is at a fixed price in the future. And that way it takes some of the risk off. Um, I'm guaranteed a price and now they are the ones that have the risk. Now, I could end up selling it short and not make as much money, but it's okay because I'm guaranteed to get that price. And that's kind of what's happening with the Bitcoin ETF. It's a futures-based contract. So I don't own the Bitcoin. I don't have a claim to actually get any Bitcoin. I'm just betting on where I think the price is going to be. Now, um, part another reason why the 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 futures also work good for commodities is because typically commodities, when I'm talking about corn, you know, wheat, grain, or I'm talking about oil, you know, commodities like that, they're, they're very difficult, if not completely impossible to take delivery of, right? I mean, imagine if uh, a bunch of contracts, a, a bunch of tons of uh, grain, you know, corn showed up at your house or oil, like, what are you gonna do with that? And so it was a way for a, a way for an investor to buy into that commodity to put some money into that commodity, but without having to take delivery of it. Right, so that'd be more of the spot side of things. So that's kind of what they were intended for. Of course, today they just turned into this giant uh, gambling casino that's going on over in Wall Street. And they're, you know, betting on everything. I mean, today there's betting markets for everything. Uh, I think prob probably a lot of people were surprised to see that there was like betting markets.
markets on the election, you know, for last year. And anything that can be bet on, they're betting on, and they're betting on the price of Bitcoin. Now, um, the first thing I would say that I don't like about the, the futures um, ETF is that um, price is all driven by supply and demand. Right? So if there's more demand, more people want to buy, then there is supply, then people that want to sell, then the price naturally goes up. And so as more and more people wanted to get into Bitcoin, as corporations, as institutions, as hedge funds, as they, as central banks, uh, as they want to get access to Bitcoin, they had to buy it. And when they bought it, it took supply off the market, which then pushed the price up higher, right? And so the one, one of the many revolutionary things about Bitcoin is that it has a fixed supply cap, right? Never be more than 21 million. Gold, we talked about earlier, if you caught the previous show, we talked about how gold has a stock to flow model. You have the stock, the existing supply with the flow, the new incoming supply. And so there's an inflation rate, how much gold goes up. Now, if the price of gold went, you know, right now it's, I don't know, 1800 bucks an ounce, let's say it went to 10,000 an ounce, you'd have way more people go to mine gold and you'd have way more gold coming into the, into the world. With Bitcoin, they can't increase that. You could you get the price of Bitcoin to go up by 10x, and you'd have 10x the amount of people going to mine Bitcoin, but it wouldn't increase the supply of Bitcoin at all. And so um, there's a supply-demand thing. And so um, since they can't create more than 21 million, what they can do is with this futures ETF, remember, they're not actually buying Bitcoin, they're buying, um, they're just betting on it. So now money that typically if that hedge fund, that institution, that government wanted access to the price of Bitcoin, they would have no choice but to buy it. Today, they instead of putting their million dollars of buying Bitcoin, they just take that same million dollars and they bet on Bitcoin instead. And so the million dollars is still getting access to the price of Bitcoin, but it's not changing the demand and supply metrics. So I think that's a bad thing. Now we've seen this become very, very bad, like in the gold industry, for example. So in the gold industry, um, this is really big. And so, you know, gold's a little bit hard to take advantage of too, or, or I should say take custody of, right? So like if you have a lot of gold, I mean, what are you going to do with it? Like you, you probably can't store it in your house. It's very expensive to ship and things like that. And so um, a lot of people, they buy the gold ETFs that don't actually own the gold. And studies have shown there's not a lot of transparency here, but some estimates show that there's approximately 500 paper ounces of gold for every one real ounce of gold. So what that means is there's out of 500 people, 499 of them think they own gold, but they don't really. Now imagine if all of those 499 people that thought they owned gold actually did, if they took that money and actually bought physical gold based off supply and demand, what do you think would happen to the price of gold? It would shoot way higher, right? I mean, 500 times higher. Um, but they've created this fake paper market. And I'm afraid that could happen to Bitcoin where you create this fake paper market, which then creates an unlimited supply. And then it kind of suppresses the price down in a way because um, it's not, you know, activating that supply and demand. So that's one thing that I don't like the futures where I'd much rather see a spot ETF. Of course, the, the, the SEC won't approve a spot ETF right now. They say it's too dangerous. Um, in my opinion, what's dangerous is this fake futures betting, in my opinion, that's way more dangerous. If I bought Bitcoin spot and it went down in value, at least I still own the Bitcoin. If I just make a bet against it and I lose the bet, 
I lose everything. I own nothing. And so that seems to me more dangerous. But I want to get in a little bit more into how this spot or I'm sorry, how this futures actually works. Because if you were considering buying it, there's actually some things that you need to know. Um, it is easy to get access to it, but there's some real dangers and it actually might be way more expensive and way more dangerous than you think. And so if you're thinking about buying this futures, you know, it's easy to get from your brokerage account, whatever it may be, um, then you need to know this information. There's something known as the bleed. You need to know about the bleed. You need to know what the cash and carry is. You need to know what something a negative roll yield is called. You're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about um, Bitcoin futures. This is the information that you need. Uh, you need to know about Bitcoin so you can survive and thrive as this revolution plays out. I'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss show where I talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution each and every week, bringing you the information you need. I mean, look, I say it over and over every each and every week. This is the biggest opportunity you'll ever have in your lifetime. And you need to have this information. Unfortunately, uh, most people have wrong information. Wherever they're getting information from, I can pretty much tell you it's wrong. And if you have the wrong information, you're either not going to take advantage of this opportunity or you won't take advantage of it properly. And so you need to have that. So join me each and every week. Pull out your phone, set a reminder. Also, by the way, tweet at me uh, or hit me on Instagram, one Mark Moss, just the number one Mark Moss. Ask me a question. I'll answer it next week. Now, um, I'm talking about these futures, these Bitcoin futures ETFs that came out this week. It's the big, big, big news. Of course, the price of Bitcoin shot higher, uh, new all-time highs. And I was explaining how there's two different types of Bitcoin ETFs. And, uh, and there's, there's more, but I'm just breaking them in two buckets. And so basically, you have the futures, um, which is basically you're not buying Bitcoin. You're just betting on the future price, hence the name futures. And then there's another one called spot, which is means you're actually buying it. You're actually buying the Bitcoin. And uh, in an ETF, you wouldn't actually take delivery of it, but you would you know, have a claim to it. Uh, and so what we got is the futures ETF. We did not get the spot ETF. And and uh, there's some things with this, with this futures ETF that you need to be aware of. Um, Overall, I would just say I don't recommend it for the average person. I don't think you should buy it. I would, I would uh, highly recommend that you stay away from it. Uh, for the average person, you should just buy Bitcoin and you should store it yourself. It's so easy. One of the very, very, very many uh, revolutionary things about Bitcoin is it allows you to take custody of your own assets. Um, man, I can go down through so many tangents. I hate to go through all these tangents, but it's hard for me not to explain this stuff to you. But think about this just real quick. Probably the oldest problem that man, that humans have had, the oldest problem in the entire world of all of humanity, the, the biggest problem that man has had, humans have had, is how do you store your wealth? How do you store your property without it being taken? So um, the early man, I'm afraid they're going to come steal my chickens. So me and the neighbor get together and band together and someone's going to come take our chickens and our goats. So then we make a village to protect our property. And then we make a kingdom. And then we make a country. As a matter of fact, the, the role of the United States government is only to protect private property. That's it. But what's revolutionary about Bitcoin is that, you know, let's say that I'm, my, I'm holding my wealth, my value in gold, and I have a lot of gold. Well, that's going to take up a lot of room. It's going to be very heavy. I'm going to probably have to spend a lot of money to build a, a, a safe and some walls, and I'm going to have to hire some guards. So it's very expensive, and then I can't take it anywhere. It's very hard to move it. Um, and so those are the types of problems, right? But if I can hold my wealth in Bitcoin that can be cryptographically secured, and it costs me zero dollars or effort to secure it, and it's 100% portable, how does that change the world? I mean, it literally takes care of the oldest problem of humanity. 
And so that's a revolutionary thing. And so we should all take advantage of that. So don't buy Bitcoin through an ETF. <laughs> take custody of it. Hold it yourself. That's what's revolutionary. But now back to the futures ETF. So there's a couple things you need to be aware of. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is something what's called the bleed. All right, the bleed. They're going to bleed you dry. Uh, the bleed is a negative contribution to your performance uh, because this is kind of the way these things work. So most commodity futures ETFs deal with a, a negative roll yield. And so what does that mean in this negative roll yield? So each month, they're basically they're forced to buy a more expensive contract than the one that's about to expire. So we could look at a contract. So they have like an October contract, a November contract, a December contract, et cetera. So let's say, for example, that the November contract is uh, $315 more expensive than October. And then December is $310 more expensive than November. So what happens is the futures ETF passes that, that expense, what's called the bleed. They pass it directly to the holders, right? Now, this type of uh, positively sloping futures curve, when it's going up in value, it's called contango. You may have heard that term before. It's contango. Now, contango is not your friend. Uh, well, not if you're a commodity futures investor, ETF investor. It is not your friend because basically what's happening is it's bleeding you dry. It's bleeding your profits. Each month, you have to keep paying those fees as they roll that over, that contango. Um, and so it's not your friend. Um, and so that's why it's important to understand which way you invest into Bitcoin uh, and, and you understand what type of bleed you might experience in a Bitcoin futures ETF. Now, on a Bitcoin spot ETF, there is no bleed, right? There's no bleed because they're not rolling over a contract. You're just, you're just buying and holding it. Now, a, Bitcoin, a spot ETF, which we don't have yet, hopefully we'll get one soon. Well, I would prefer if we had no ETFs at all, but if we're going to get one, I'd prefer spot. Uh, but they also still come with costs and fees, of course. Uh, you know, there's cost to run the fund and for their attorneys and, you know, all that other stuff. Um, but there's no negative roll yield. They're not trying to roll those fees onto every single month. So that's a really big thing. Um, one reason why I really am not a fan of this at all. Um, I think there's some controversy because the SEC is only approving a product with a bleed uh, and, and not one with physical storage. Right. I don't know why they would do that. They say it's for your protection. Of course, I just don't see how that's uh, possible. But uh, a couple of things to know about uh, this ETF. I mean, it's 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 a huge market. So first of all, I, I said earlier that um, the, the, the Bitcoin ETF was the um, second largest ETF launch in history really kind of the first biggest, but we'll call it the second biggest. Um, and, and the ETF market is huge. The, the global ETF market's currently about $8 trillion, and it's growing at over 26% per year, which is massive, obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, this, the, this new investment vehicle, it does make it super easy for people to buy it. So a lot of people, for example, they can just now buy it right from their brokerage account, right from their, you know, E-Trade or Fidelity, Charles Schwab account, something like that. So that is nice. It, it democratizes the investing, you know, in, in a big way. Um, and so I think this ETF could just slide right into this $8 trillion market cap and then grab a pretty large portion of it. Remember, as I said, it's growing by 26% a year. Now, year to date, Bitcoin's price is up over triple digits, up over 100%. And um, you know, if the futures ETF provides a negative 12% roll yield, remember rolling those fees in every single month, an ETF would still have doubled in price, which is 
pretty amazing because there's no other ETFs out there that are doubling in price. And so I think there's going to be a lot of uh, demand for this type of an ETF. I think we'll see investment managers tripping over themselves to finally have something where they can get access exposure to the price of the Bitcoin without having to deal with it, you know, as a commodity. So I think it's going to be really big, really big. Now, there's something else that you need to call, uh, know, and it's a term called cash and carry. All right, now cash and carry um, is one of the oldest tricks in the book. It's uh, arbitrage. And um, I think it's important to understand what this is because there's also some risk that could be there as well. But if you understand how to play this right, it could actually be a pretty big benefit for you. So we want to talk about the cash and carry. And then I also want to talk about um, one of the best known investors in the world today, probably is a billionaire venture capitalist uh, invested in all top technology. He says that he is underinvested. Um, and he has some very important things to say, I think that will provide a lot of perspective. So I want to talk about that when we get back as well. Um, and we're going to talk about some countries that are continuing to grow into this Bitcoin as well. Again, this is the information that you need to participate to to take advantage of, I should say, of the Bitcoin uh, decentralized revolution, the cryptocurrency revolution that's happening right now. I have some big news. I want to bring it to you. Um, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.
All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where I bring to you the latest in information on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and this decentralized revolution that's happening right before our very eyes. You know, it's interesting when you're living through history, you probably don't see it, you don't recognize it. Uh, but I can tell you for sure that history books will be written about this very point in time. Uh, we're living through one of the most volatile times um, in modern history. And, um, you know, I think most people can realize uh, how much how much is how much is changing in this world. Uh, but what a lot of people don't probably realize is that there's this huge opportunity sitting in front of us. And so that's what I'm trying to bring to you each and every week. Now, uh, before the break, we were talking about this Bitcoin ETF that went through this week. It was the biggest news that kind of rocked the world. It, it shot the price of Bitcoin and, and most of the cryptocurrencies up higher this week. Um, and I think, you know, for a couple of reasons, but I think one of the big, big, big reason is obviously it, it brought a lot more access to Bitcoin. So a lot of people are now able to buy it directly from their stock trading account, which is big. But I think more than that, it was also just the legitimacy factor. I think the legitimacy factor of it really helped um, because of this Bitcoin ETF. And uh, meaning that, you know, one of the biggest complaints or I should say objections that people still throw out over Bitcoin is that, ah, the governments are going to make it illegal. People still say that all the time. And so they've, they've told us they're not going to make it illegal. And now I think through this um, ETF, I mean, it's kind of like the final kind of final nail that just says like, we're not going to do it. Like we're not going to make it illegal. So I think it, it brought a lot of legitimacy to it. Now I was talking about, um, the two different type, two main types of, uh, Bitcoin, um, ETF. So there's the futures based where you're just betting on the future price, whether the price is going to be higher or lower. Um, and then you have the, um, spot, um, future where you're actually buying, buying it directly. Now, this is not a spot, um, ETF. This is only a futures based ETF. Um, so that's important to understand. Um, and then I went through, I was talking about the bleed and the negative rule yield. And so that's the fees basically every month they're going to keep passing on to you. So I don't really recommend this futures ETF for most people. I think you're just way better off just buying Bitcoin directly, but I was going to talk about something called the cash and carry. So cash and carry is, is pretty interesting. And, and in this type of environment, it kind of works out. Um, and it's, it's an arbitrage trade. So that means that you can, you know, buy low, sell high and make the spread. And so basically what you do is you sell the future of the commodity and then you buy the spot if there's a risk-free profit that can be made. And so what do I mean by that? So let's say that um, Bitcoin right now is at $63,000 or six, let's just say that hypothetically, it's at, let's use easy numbers. So let's say it's at $65,000. Um, I can buy it at spot, but I could, I could sell a futures for December at 65,000 or let's call it 66,000. So that means I could sell a contract. Someone would be guaranteed to buy Bitcoin from me at 66,000 in December, but I could buy it for 65,000 today. Well, that means I have a guaranteed $1,000 profit, a risk-free profit because someone's already entered the contract to buy it from me at that price. Um, and so that's a cash and carry trade. What I would do is I would sell the futures at 66. I would buy it at 65 and boom, I would instantly book a thousand dollars profit. Now, a thousand dollars profit may not sound like that much, but imagine if you're a hedge fund, uh, with, with, a, with billions of dollars going into this and it's a risk-free trade. It's a pretty big deal. Now the risk-free trade is a big, big piece of that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that today, but, um, one thing you have to think about when you're investing is you have to think about your risk adjusted return. And so, um, while you may be able to make a bigger return somewhere else, you also have to take into consideration the risk. So a risk-free trade is, is pretty amazing. And so I think with the demand for Bitcoin futures blasting off right now, 
and the amount of ETF flows. Remember, I talked about it's an $8 trillion market. It's growing by 26% a year. With that amount of flows coming into ETFs, then I think the future prices will continue to go up and up and up. And so I would expect more of these arbitragers to come into the market and try to bank on that cash and carry trade. As they do that, then it should continue to push the price of Bitcoin up, which means we'll continue to see this and it kind of becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy. It's uh, kind of like the, the price of Bitcoin will just continue to skyrocket as this uh, chain of events continues on. Um, you know, I, real quick, just to jump back into the, the risk analysis, what's interesting is that I started buying Bitcoin in 2015. Um, at the time, it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks, I think 300 bucks, 400 bucks at the time. Um, but at the time, you know, up until 2015, you know, so from 2010 to 2015 over those five years, um, Bitcoin was, was, I mean, still is super volatile. Uh, it went up, you know, it went up and it went down by 90%. It went up, dropped by 90%, up, dropped 90%. Um, and I saw this happening a bunch, and so I wasn't super comfortable buying into it. Um, but I finally did. And in 2015, it was, it was still very risky, right? Like, who knows what it was going to be? Who knows? There was all these other cryptocurrencies coming on board. Um, you know, I knew at some point the government was going to want to fight against it. Um, and so there was a lot of risk associated with it. Um, and so at the time, because it was so risky, I only allocated, you know, a little bit to it. Um, and over time, by 2017, it was way more legitimate. Um, it was much bigger. It had survived multiple crashes. Um, now we had the CME, the Commodities Fu you know, Futures Exchange, um, regulating it. So it was way less risky in 2017 than it was in 2015. So I put more money into it. Um, but today, I mean, if I would have just taken the money I put in this year alone and put that in back in like 2015, uh, you probably never would have heard of me. I would have been gone, long gone by now. But I didn't. And the reason why is because there, there was so much risk back then. Now there's, now, you know, there's less risk, so I'm putting in more money. I would say today, especially now with this ETF app, I would say we're sitting on pretty much I mean, the lowest amount of risk that you could imagine with still an amazing return. So going back to, you know, an investor looking for a, a, a risk adjusted return. And I've been a I've been a full time investor for over over two decades now. I've never seen in my entire life, in my entire career, I've never seen this good of an, a risk adjusted return ever. And so that's that's pretty amazing um, to think about as we're talking about that risk perspective. Um, some other things that are cool, I think, um, about this ETF is that when you look at technology, um, the way that a new technology reaches adoption or, um, you know, breaks out into the marketplace is always predictable. All right. So there's, there's something called, um, there's something called the diffusion of innovation. All right. So the diffusion of innovation, uh, basically, it basically kind of charts how that diffusion, how it gets out, how that, that adoption happens. All right. And so, um, you've probably all seen this like bell curve chart where you have like, um, the innovators in the beginning, and then you have like the early adopters and then you have the early majority and then the late majority and then the laggards. So you've probably seen it's like this upside down bell, or it's like a bell curve chart. And, um, if you've, if you've ever looked at that, you have the innovators, the techies, then the early adopters, which are the visionaries. And then there's a gap there and there's a gap there and it's called the chasm. And what's interesting about that chasm is that uh, there was a book written about it by Geoffrey Moore. He's, he wrote a book called Crossing the Chasm. And he explains that the reason why there's a chasm between the early adopters and the early majority um, is because of that chasm. And it's the hardest gap 
to close. And it's right around 18 and a half percent adoption. So the innovators, I think are like 5%, uh, the early adopters, are like another 10% adoption. And then there's that chasm. And in order to cross the chasm, to go from the, the, the visionaries, the true believers, to go from them to the early majority, there has to be a mental shift, right? Something has to change for that to happen and to bring those in. Uh, I wanna explain to you really what that is. Like I said, what is that mental shift that has to happen? And then more importantly, what happens once we cross the chasm? And then even more importantly, where are we in that right now? Where are we at in that chasm? And what does this Bitcoin ETF have to do with it? Um, there's also another piece of, uh, of another model that we would use, and it's called an S-curve. And an S-curve is also used to measure you know, this diffusion of innovation or this, uh, this adoption cycle. And we can take this S-curve and we can overlay it on top of the bell curve diffusion chart. And I think you might be pretty surprised with the answer. Now, if you're following me on Twitter, um, I've put some of this onto my Twitter a few days ago, and you can actually see the charts and see how I've overlaid them. I'll explain it to you here on the radio. Uh, but if you're not following me on Twitter already, you should. I'm just number one Mark Moss. Again, number one Mark Moss on Twitter and Instagram. Send me a message, shout at me, ask me a question. I'll make sure to answer it live um, next week. And of course, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and the decentralized revolution. And I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution. We have been talking about the price, uh, breaking new all-time highs. We've been talking about the catalysts that were involved in that from China banning it, which was pushing more people into it. We talked about how the government of the United States says they won't ban it. And now how Wall Street has adopted it with this ETF, which I think is really big news. I mean, I was uh, explained to you the differences of the two different types of ETFs, the dangers, the really the risks that are associated with some of them that you need to be careful of, how I think you should be buying it, which uh, spoiler alert is uh, don't buy it through an ETF, uh, just buy it directly. Um, and then I was going into talking about this um, adoption cycle and how um, there's these kind of dependable um, models that new technology goes through. And I was explaining how in this book by Geoffrey Moore, um, there's a book titled The Crossing the Chasm. And it talks about how um, any new technology kind of goes through this, this bell curve where it's innovators, early adopters, um, to early majority, late majority, and laggers. And this, uh, this in between the early adopters, the visionaries, and the early majority is this thing called the chasm. And the chasm is, is about at about an 18% adoption rate. So about 18% of the population would be using it at that point. And it's the hardest part to get over. And the reason why is because um, the, the mind shift has to happen because the visionaries are like the true believers, uh, but then you, it's hard to get the early majority in. And so we really have to change the entire way the market looks at it. And um, I think, well, we, we, we have that. And then we have this S-curve. And S-curve is another model where we can also look at adoption. And so when we look at S-curve, uh, basically the way an S-curve works is uh, imagine an S laying on its side. So you kind of have the S at the bottom, and then it makes a left turn going up vertical. And then it kind of makes a right turn or curve, I should say a right curve, and then goes kind of horizontal again. And, and so the S-curve, the way it works is um, however long it takes for a new technology to get to 10% adoption is typically the time that it would take to go from 10 to 90% adoption. So for example, um, well, 
for, 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 for this um, purpose, um, it took about 10 years for Bitcoin to reach about 10% of the adoption. So then that means that then um, it should take another 10 years to get to 90%. So that means that it should happen by about 2029, which is about eight years from now. Now, if we take that S curve and then we lay that over the, um, the upside down bell curve, this diffusion of innovation, um, and remember the chasm sits right around that um, 18% line we can if we lay the s curve over this bell curve we can see that the the current amount of bitcoin adoption today sits right at this chasm and remember to cross the chasm is when things really take off they blow up and the reason why is because we have to change the perception um, to get across that chasm and i think that that is what is happening right now remember um one of the biggest objections people have is that it can be made illegal. And um, we've seen in the last week or two, uh, both the head of the SEC, Gary Gensler, and the head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, both said they won't make Bitcoin illegal. And then we got the Bitcoin ETF. And I think even though it's not the best vehicle to buy Bitcoin um, or own Bitcoin, well, you don't even own it, right? All you're doing is betting on the price. What it does is it changes the perception, right? It changes the perspective where um, people who think that, you know, um, Wall Street's legitimate, and now there's a legitimate Wall Street fund for Bitcoin, it changes the perception. And that's exactly what has to happen to go from the visionary to the early majority. And remember, at the S-curve is when things really start taking off, right? So 10 years to get to 10% adoption, and then another 10 years to go from 10% to 90% adoption. So that's like a parabolic run. And I think that's where we're going. I think that's what this ETF represents. Um, and I think we're gonna continue to see fireworks. Now, of course, there's bigger catalysts and we talk about them all the time. Uh, we saw, you know, not just what's going on in the United States, but of course we're seeing, you know, El Salvador, a nation now has uh, started adopting it. Um, and, and that's only been continuing to grow. Um, they passed a law September 7th. So I don't know, six weeks ago, approximately, um, to make Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. And then what they did is they uh, created their own wallet and anybody in El Salvador that downloaded the wallet was given $30 of uh, a free Bitcoin just for downloading the wallet and using it, which was pretty cool. Since that time, anybody that got that free Bitcoin and has sat on it has seen their wealth grow by about 35%. So that's pretty cool. Um, and we've also seen massive Bitcoin adoption happening. Um, more people, I think, are using Bitcoin wallets than are using bank accounts in El Salvador now, which is pretty amazing. Um, today, we saw uh, an airline, Volaris Airlines, said that now you can start paying for your um, airline tickets in Bitcoin. And so we're just, I mean, things are just really, really, really starting to escalate super, super fast, uh, which is pretty interesting as we continue to see this, this, uh, this progress. I was also talking about uh, wanting to kind of jump in and talk about uh, one of the maybe most well-known, you know, billionaire venture capitalist, Peter Thiel. He's uh, famous for being involved in PayPal and running some of the biggest incubators in, in Silicon Valley. And he's also kind of somewhat known and uh, known in the Bitcoin world um, as uh, as being an early Bitcoin investor, which is uh, not typical for these uh, venture capitalists. Um, but he he is one of them um, that that has come in early. And he was at a uh, it was at a meeting this last week, and um, he he said some pretty interesting things. And one of the things that he said was, uh, well, he was he was kind of drawing 
this comparison, he's a tech billionaire, right? That's how he made his money, being at the front end of these things. And he, and he basically praised Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and then he slammed the central banks at the same time. This is on a Wednesday of this week. And um, he said, quote, you're supposed to just buy Bitcoin, end quote. That's what he said. You're supposed to just buy it. Uh, there's a term hodler, H-O-D-L, hold on for dear life. And you just buy it and you just hodl it. That's it. Buy it and hodl it. Um, and then he went on, he said, uh, quote, I feel like I've been underinvested in it, end quote. Now, anytime you buy an investment and it goes up in, money, in value, especially a big value like this, you're always going to feel like you're underinvested. Oh, dang it. I should have bought more. It's going to be the typical response. Um, so it's funny that he says that, but that's his typical response. But also, um, if you bought something to hope it goes up in value and it goes down in value, then you also say the second, say the opposite, which is, dang it. Why did I put so much money in? Um, so it's kind, of, it's kind of funny to see someone as, as, uh, as uh, experienced as he is kind of still have that same kind of... Uh, FOMO approach or whatever that most of us would have where he's like, dang it, I feel like I'm underinvested. Um, but of course, some of the real Bitcoin believers like myself says that uh, if you still have any cash to put into Bitcoin, then you're probably underinvested. And so he's probably there. But I really love what he said after that. He went on to say something. So what have I been repeating over and over every single show and uh, this whole episode? I keep talking about having uh, an asymmetric opportunity, right? More upside than downside. And I talk about um, having that asymmetric opportunity and the way to take advantage of it is to have asymmetric information, right? I say it over and over. I say it all the time. Well, he said, um, Thiel said his only hesitation about investing was that he thought, quote, the secret was already known by everybody end quote. Hmm. His hesitation. So he, he said he was underinvested. Why was he underinvested? Well, his hesitation was he thought the secret was already known by everybody. He thought he didn't have an edge. He thought he didn't have asymmetric information. Then he goes on to say he concluded that quote, I think the answers are still go long and quote, maybe it still is enough of a secret. Wow. One of the biggest and most well-known venture capitalist tech investors um, didn't buy enough. He says he regrets he's underinvested because he thought it was too well-known, but now he realized, quote, maybe it's still enough of a secret. And it certainly is. Go out to the mall, go out to a park, talk to 100 people, ask them how many people um, own Bitcoin, and you're going to find out hardly anybody knows about it. Uh, the information they have is wrong, and they're not equipped to take advantage of this opportunity. But that's why you're listening to me. That's why you join with me each and every week. Um, I'm bringing you the asymmetric information that you need to take advantage of this asymmetric opportunity. So pull out your phone, put a reminder to come back each and every week at this time, this channel. And of course, send me a message on Twitter. I'm at one Mark Moss again on Twitter at one Mark Moss and Instagram as well. Send me a message, ask me a question and I'll make sure to answer it on the radio next week. I'm Mark Moss. Thanks for listening. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug All needed. Right, let's go. 
But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.